to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm graced in the podcast studio by attorney B.B. Fell. B.B., welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Let me tell the listeners a little bit about you, B.B. B.B. Fell is routinely, routinely recognized as one of the top plaintiff lawyers in the nation. BB's record-breaking results include a $105 million verdict, the largest intentional tort verdict in California in 2018, the second largest overall verdict in 2018, and a top 10 verdict nationwide. Because of her track record, insurance companies know BB is willing to go to trial. BB's philosophy is to maintain a small caseload so every client gets the attention they deserve. At Fail Law PC, clients are treated like family. BB, what inspired you to become an attorney? Well, I uh, have it in my blood. So I come from a long line of attorneys. I'm actually a fourth generation attorney. Nice. My father's a trial lawyer, grandfather, great grandfather. And so I grew up around the law. And it's actually kind of an interesting question because I knew that I wanted to be a lawyer, a trial lawyer at the age of four. And wow. so, yeah, what could I possibly have known about <laughs> the practice of law at the age of four? Right. And as I reflect back on it, I think what I knew is I saw my father's passion. I mm. saw that he felt like he was doing something important and that the community respected him. Mm. And so that's really what drew me to the practice. I love hearing those details. Fourth generation. So, so tell me, what was it like when your parents were, you know, when they would hear about your ambition, they hear about your dream? How did they continue to maybe stoke that fire of a, of a dream for you along the way? You know, it's really funny because a lot of my friends who are uh, lawyers talk about how their parents really encouraged them into the law and maybe mm. even pushed them into the law a little sure. bit. I know that's my father's story. He felt pushed into the law mm -hmm. and, and didn't immediately click with it. For me, my dad just listened. I mean, he didn't mm -hmm. try to encourage me or discourage me. The only thing he encouraged me to do was to find something that I loved doing and to do that. And if it was the law, great. If it was something else, great. Mm, I love that. Podcast listeners, parents listening in. <laughs> Did you hear that lesson from BB just right there? It was encouraging your children to find something they love doing. I, I, I love the lesson right there. Thank you for that, BB. Now, what do you enjoy most about being an attorney? It's fun. For me, it's fun on so many different levels. It, it really clicks with my personality. And it's not just the law, but my particular area of the law, I think, clicks with who I am and what I naturally enjoy doing. So I am naturally very intellectual. I dig into intellectual problems. I love to read. I love to find solutions, do puzzles, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so the intellectual part of the law, reading cases, arguing cases to judges, that clicks with my intellectual part of myself. And then the other part of me is that I am an empath. I'm very compassionate. Mm -hmm. I love connecting with people one-on-one. -on -one. And so in personal injury law, I develop a very strong relationship with my clients. They are literally going through um, the most difficult time that they will ever go through in their lives. And mm -hmm. so I feel like I'm developing 
a one-on-one -on -one connection and making a really big impact in one person's life. Yes, yes. What I'm hearing from you, the word that came to me was versatility. The versatility to enjoy what you do from an intellectual perspective, like you're able to dig into the caseload, as you mentioned, argue, put your case, put, put the perspective in front of the judge, um, but also having the compassion and the empathy to connect with people. And I, and I could see how those two areas and two areas of strength of yours complement each other really well and continue, that, that's gonna continue to yield positive results for your business. Thank you. And uh, as I, talk about personal injury. How did you decide to focus on personal injury? <laughs> so I started off in the law. Um, well, let me back up a little bit. When I went to law school, my father, who is also a very compassionate person, um, said, you know, the one thing I want you to remember when you go through law school is to always find a way to fight for the little guy, to take this great privilege of your license and do something in a, in a way that gives back to the community. Um, I heard that, went through law school, and then you know, large law firms dangled a very large salary in front of me. And I quickly forgot that advice that my father had given me and took a job. Um, ultimately, I went to big law. Mm -hmm. So the largest, at the time, the largest law firm in the world. I did complex commercial litigation there, um, made a big salary and poured a ton of time, uh, very little personal time left in the day um, mm -hmm. into that kind of a job. Um, it was fun. It, it tickled that intellectual part mm -hmm. of me. Um, but at the end of the day, when I quote unquote won a case, I won a little bit of money for a lot of shareholders. Mm. And so it wasn't the kind of thing that I went to bed at night and thought, you know, I'm, I am personally fulfilled by this. It was oh. very intellectually interesting, but I wasn't very personally fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So after Big Law, I uh, opened a, a practice with a partner. We took some of our clients. Um, and we did that three months before the stock market crash in 2008. Mm. Our number one client that was probably 80% of our business went into bankruptcy. And so we found ourselves having to be resilient mm -hmm. and build a practice from the ground up. Um, the cases at the time, I had only been practicing for five years. So the cases that I was able to bring in were personal injury cases because everybody knows somebody who got hurt. And so it was through that resilience that I discovered an area of the law that really tapped into what made me feel good about what I did at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I think I'm, I mean, I'm very impressed. I love the message from your dad, right? And this idea of um, remember to fight for the little guy. And I, and I, I love to see that, that detail or that seed planted early on. And then as, as you mentioned in your story, like you didn't nurture that seed immediately, but to see it grow up later and, and it bearing the fruit that, that, that you're involved with now. And, and, um, and even I think the, the, the other word you mentioned that really popped out to me, the word of privilege that he gave you is remembering the privilege of your position and then using that, that position, that position really of power to take care of, uh, of people in a way that's deeply fulfilling for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, what, what's one challenge you faced as an attorney that you've overcome? Yeah, so I talked about one challenge, which was, you know, jumping into a business to have it 
fall apart. I mean, not really fall apart, but be impacted in a major way shortly Mm -hmm. thereafter. Um, That is one that stands out. But even above that, I would say that it was more of a personal challenge. Um, You know, we are we are whole human beings and we cannot be fully engaged in our work life and our career if our personal lives are are not doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a period uh, where I was a young lawyer um, and my then husband was deploying. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up getting a divorce and I had two young children. So mm-hmm. I was a single mother, found myself as a single mother of a one-year-old and a three-year-old while trying to maintain this very busy law practice that I had. And so I would say that that stands out far and away as the number one challenge that I had to face, even though, even though it's not directly related to my career, right, right, it absolutely right. had a huge impact on what I did. Sure. You know, when I've um, interviewed um, in, a, in a very similar space, and I'm, you know, I want to circle back to this, this concept. Um, so, so my mom went through um, the divorce of my dad and, and she was raising three you know, on her own. And I, and I've watched her, you know, build this, you know, this empire here in Texas and, and I've, I've watched her become successful. And I, and I remember asking her this question and I said, of all the, the businesses you've started and, and all of these things that have taken place, like what's helped you grow the most from all your experiences. And she said to me, she was going that season of being a single mom made her grow like nothing, no other business experience, nothing like that season forced it's it compelled her to grow in the name of her children but i'm curious when you look back at that season do you see something similar like there was like some incredible growth in your journey absolutely so you know one of the things that my profession struggles from is women in leadership positions women who are lead trial counsel not just carrying somebody else's bag and so when you look at the trajectory we see a lot of women graduating from law school it's over 50 percent right now and we see a lot of women enter the workforce but if you look further five years into the practice or at the partnership level you see women dropping like flies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could have been one of those statistics. I, I hope that's not true. I hope my passion would have overcome that. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I never had to ask myself that question because I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. When you find yourself in a personal struggle like that, where you're, you know, uh, there are little human beings relying on you right. and you're a single mom and your time is very much taken up and stretched to its limits, you understand just how much you are capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone had told me, hey, BB, this will be your journey and this is this this is what will face you. You will have to overcome this. Mm-hmm. I probably would have looked at that in my youth and said, there's no way. I'm just not capable of it. Sure. But when there's no other option, mm-hmm. we are resilient, we are hardworking, and we step up to the challenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, for any women watchers out there, yes. There's a book by Sheryl Sandberg called Lean In that talks about exactly this, about women in their careers who are having a family and why it is that women are dropping out. It's a fascinating book. So I read that, found it very inspiring, and then purchased a bunch of copies and gave them away Mm. to every woman and man who supervised women (laughs) that Mm. I could find. And so one of those men took a, read the book and then asked me, you know, kind of half joking, jokingly in front of a lot of people, you know, BB, did you lean in? And 
my answer was no. I hung on. <laughs> I <was> hang on. <laughs> I love it. I love the details. She said, I didn't lean in. I was hanging on. Um, no, I think there's so much respect. And I think about just the, the words you said, resilience. I think about the word endurance, perseverance, like all of those concepts speak to the obstacles we face in life. But then, of course, we have BB on the other side of it, talking about the victory of, yes, you can overcome, you can get through. Um, and, and, but I, I think there's so much power in reflecting on those moments and seeing how, as the way you described it, how strong you truly are. Now, similar question, maybe a little bit of a different angle, but what is one common challenge you've seen other attorneys face? And what do you think is a great solution to that challenge? The biggest challenge that I see faced by other attorneys is that they never found that area of the law that was right for their personality. So no matter who you are, no matter what your strengths are and your weaknesses are, I believe there is an area of the law for you. It is such a diverse profession. Um, and so we all at, at the end of law school tend to get funneled into this one path, which sure. is a big law firm, typically on the defense side, there's an associate to partnership track, and that tends to be where 90% of law students end up getting funneled. Mm. It's very easy to get on that track and stay on that conveyor belt for 30, 35, 40 years, whatever mm. your career ends up being. Um, but I'd like to really encourage people in the first five years of their practice to take a hard look at what they're doing. And if they don't love it, that's the time to make a change. Mm. So I think the biggest challenge is people get on this conveyor belt. They never really critically assess whether this is the right place for them. And then 40 years down the road, they're disillusioned by the practice, not enjoying what they're doing, simply clocking time. And you can tell, I mean, you can tell when you run into a lawyer who loves what they're doing or when you love into a lawyer who's just clock or run into a lawyer who's just clocking time. Mm, wow. Uh, profound. And I love the very practical insight of five years, you know, have that five year critical assessment when you're considering, do you actually love it? Is it fulfilling? Is it building you up? And I think that's, that is incredible insight. Let me ask you maybe a subset of this question, which is, um, this it's something else I see that's in this in this realm of attorneys, um, not necessarily picking one and going five years, but then picking several at one time. What what's your perspective? That maybe it's a far other extreme on mm -hmm. this one. What what have you seen and and what's your advice even to attorneys who are who like you go to their page for example? Again, not to criticize, but just I'm curious your objective perspective uh, when you see they're having two, three, four areas of expertise, what's your perspective about that other extreme? Yeah, well, you can't be an expert in everything, right? Mm -hmm. What we devote our time to ends up being what we excel at. And so um, for me, you know, the majority of my practice is personal injury. It is what I'm best at. It is what I enjoy doing. It is how I sell my practice. Mm -hmm. um, if somebody asked me to do a bankruptcy matter, I am virtually certain I would malpractice. If somebody <laughs> to handle their divorce, I am virtually certain I would malpractice. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you you know, it, it comes from fear. You know, when I see lawyers who do that, I think it comes from fear. Where is my next case going to come from? How am I going to pay my mortgage? Well, I better take everything that comes in the door. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would really encourage a lot of those attorneys 
to truly ask yourself, am I doing this because it's good business strategy? Is this going to get me where I want to be in a year, three years, five years? Or am I doing this out of fear and potentially causing more problems than it'll ever be worth? Mm. Um, now, there are some areas of the, of the country where there just isn't enough business and there are very few lawyers there who tend to be generalists. Um, sure. That's, you know, there's no option if that's the type of place you're going to live and that's the level of practice everybody is practicing at. Right. But I'm in a big city. We have a lot of lawyers here. Um, if you're in an area where there are enough lawyers to specialize, um, I would be concerned about going to that lawyer who claims to be an expert at everything because it's just not humanly possible. <laughs> I feel like um, this podcast episode, even everything you shared, but especially what you just shared right there, I think that's that to me, this might be the prerequisite podcast episode that I have my clients go listen to. Hey, listen to this one with BB Fell. And then listen to what she said on this answer, because that's something I, 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 I've seen a lot of. And I, I think in a very in a, an exact same way as you is there's a reason there's a phrase, the jack of all trades is the master of none. And down the line, as you mentioned, three to five years from now, um, do you want people to look at you as a jack or as a master? And what I heard from you is... Um, even the, the element of fear. And, and I've related to that as, as a business owner as well. You just, you just think the, the more I specialize, then, then aren't I closing myself up to so many other business opportunities? And I think for me, and what I'm seeing as well is the people who specialize, they just, they just continue to shine because they become the masters in their own regard. Exactly. Now, in that space, now what has been the best way for you to attract new clients to your law firm? I am not the best marketer. Um, I had always been taught that if you want to not just be the worker bee, but be the one bringing in business, and it's the people who bring in business that make the money in this, in this profession, um, you have got to put yourself out there. You've got to go to events. You have to network. You have to uh, be on committees, run organizations, constantly shaking hands. I hate that. <laughs> I, um, I, I have an extroverted personality. I love people, but I am incredibly shy. So I, I know myself one-on-one, -on -one, I can do okay. Mm -hmm. But I have been known to walk into a networking function with hundreds of people, look at it, absolutely panic, walk one lap around the room and go, okay, I was here <laughs> and mm -hmm. then leave. Um, so, you know, if I tried to do it the traditional way, I would not have been very good at it. Mm -hmm. I focused on the things I love doing. I focused on doing a really good job for my clients. Mm -hmm. And I probably built my book of business a lot more slowly than somebody who from the get-go was out there shaking a bunch of hands, telling everybody, this is what I do. Send me work. Um, mm -hmm. Oh gosh, the thought of telling somebody you should send me work is just, it, it brings chills down my spine. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it the hard way and it probably took me a lot longer, but I focused on one case at a time, one client at a time, one referral source at a time. And I just did a better job than anybody else in that room. And so from there, clients refer me to their friends and loved ones. Um, the lawyers that refer me cases, refer me more cases and bigger cases because I've done well for them. Mm -hmm. And the lawyers that I've gone up against have a great respect for what I've done. Mm -hmm. So when it's their family and friends who needs a personal injury attorney, 
I'm the one that they would entrust their loved ones to. So mm -hmm. that's how I've built my business. I love the details there. The, uh, the idea of even of building slowly. Now, you you talk about the longevity of, of what you've been doing though, right? You talk about you, you cited back to 2008. So now, I mean, we're, you're, you're 12 years in. So the, clearly whatever you do has helped you to continue to grow and continue to con continue staying in the game. Um, so I think w whenever somebody has the longevity or the results, more specific, the results that speak, then I just want to say, all right, hey, there's something powerful about knowing your sweet spot and knowing yourself and then adjusting your your actions to execute based on that. So I think there's just great power in that. Absolutely. I mean, I think that if you were to ask me, like, what's the one thing about me that makes me successful? I would say it's that I know what I'm good at. And I don't try to be good at the things that I, I'm not good at. And I don't pretend to be somebody that I'm not. I focus on those things that I'm good at. And it has brought back, um, you know, opportunities in spades. Mm, focusing on what you're good at. There's this proverb that talks about seeing a person skilled in their work. They were not served before officials of low rank. They will serve before kings. And that's what I'm hearing for you. You just, your skill has continued to open up more and more opportunity for you. And let's, let's, let's segue to the listeners for a moment. Listeners, there, you cannot replace that sweet spot of that heightened skill. So if you know what you're naturally good at, and then you can create skills around that naturally already gifted area, that's going to be, just like Bibi described, that's going to be what opens up doors of opportunities for you. If you focus on that sweet spot, focus on your strengths, knowing yourself enough to stay there as much for as much time as possible and not as she mentioned pretend to be good at things that you're not i i speak frankly that nobody's ever asked me to sing at their wedding right <laughs> that's just not a gift right um now people I, i've officiated four weddings because people see that i could carry myself in in, in a uh, in a proper manner in front of their fr family friends but but this the idea i have to know what i'm not good at I, i'm not good at singing so i'm never gonna strive to excel in singing, but just BB, your story illustrates that point of focusing on your strengths, focusing on what you're good at and not pretending to have a gift that you don't. Now, when it comes to an attorney in their journey, when maybe they're just starting out in their, their career and maybe it's similar from what you said earlier, maybe a little bit different. Um, is there any specific advice you offer to that attorney who's just starting out that might be different from that five-year concept you mentioned earlier? Is there anything different you would say in, in the beginning of their attorney journey? Yeah, I, I would say in addition to that, um, focus on how you can help other people. I think a lot of people get into a career or get into a negotiation and they're automatically thinking, okay, what can this person give me? Um, what, what can I do to get what I want from this person or this business? And people don't remember the many, many contacts we have with other people where they're telling you how great they are. They're asking you for their business. Mm -hmm. People remember the people who impact their lives. Yes. And so because I'm a one-on-one -on -one person, not a mass marketer, mm -hmm. um, Every time I get into a conversation with someone, a, a phone call, or walk in to you know, meet somebody uh, at an event and start talking to them, I'm asking myself, or even get invited to talk on a show like this, mm -hmm. right? I'm asking myself, 
what can I give people? What can they walk away from that's going to be special and meaningful and something that they remember, something that helps them? Mm -hmm. um, again, that's my sweet spot. I'm good at that. I like to help people. I, I'm not good at asking for things. And so if, and, and it works, I mean, aside from just being who I am, I have found that it works. And so what I would recommend to young lawyers who are starting to build their business is don't look at people like a transaction. Don't ask what you can get from them. Ask what you can give them. Mm -hmm. I have never asked any of my close colleagues to do me any favors. And then when I started my firm a year ago, I found out I didn't have to. Ooh. I mean, I got calls coming in from everywhere. BB, you help me on this, that, or the other thing. What can I do for you? Can I send mm -hmm. you cases? Do you need investors? What, what can I do? And when I needed it most, it paid dividends. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love it. And it's so, and I, I totally can see the other end of that spectrum where it's just, you're just, you, you can, out of fear and desperation, be thinking about, you know, what can I get from every person I meet? And as a business owner, you know, you could totally get there where, oh, this person could do this for me or that this person could do that for me. Um, but as opposed to the mindset you're talking, very much an abundance mindset of, of one of, of, of I'm showing up to give, I'm showing up to serve, I'm showing up to help other people. And you and I both know this idea that if we just show up over and over again to give, to serve and to help, the universe has a way of not letting you outgive it for very long. Like yeah. those opportunities, those doors just keep coming, keep coming back if we hold on to. And then, and I love what you said too, like not, um, not even asking for favors, so not even as we give to not be entitled. Oh, like, oh, now you owe me, you know, like, but not, but not doing it, having any of that mentality, but having that pure giver abundant mindset is something that's such a powerful principle. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Now, um, how have you established work-life balance as an attorney? I love this question <laughs> um, because the answer is I haven't. Mm -hmm. I have found my perfect imbalance. Um, I think the concept of work-life balance is one that causes people a lot of pressure. You see other people talking about how they have achieved work-life balance and you think, oh my gosh, there's something else I have to achieve that I haven't <laughs> achieved yet. <laughs> when the reality is, you know, if you're passionate about what you do and you pour a lot of time and energy into it and you're passionate about your family and you pour a lot of time and love into them, it's really hard to give either 100%. I used to look at it as I do everything a little bit less good than I should. I, I've flipped that now, right? Mm -hmm. Into this concept of perfect imbalance. There are times where my family deserves more of my time, love, and attention than my business does. And there are times where my clients need me and I have deadlines and I owe it to them to give them more of my time, attention, and passion. And so it, it's, it's never a perfect balance. It's always something that is moving and shifting, but acknowledging that there will be periods of your life where you have to give a little into more one into give a little more into one bucket mm -hmm. and take a little more from another bucket. And it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So you cannot expect of yourself to be a perfect mom and a perfect boss colleague uh, client. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
wow, the perfect imbalance. Uh, that's that's a book title right there. I think, you know, <laughs> we could have a whole podcast on perfect imbalance in the in the life of attorney. But but I think that's that input is is so spot on. I mean, I, I, you know, the, I'm whatever like 34 interviews in with with attorneys and and uh, even hearing about that struggle. Sometimes I'll get to this question, you know, as we're preparing for the interview, and they're like, "Oh, I'm not sure if I want to. I want you to ask me that because I haven't mastered it yet." And <laughs> and then I'll let them know. I'll like, you know, um, we could totally take it out, but you sharing about about the struggle, it can be empowering to other people. And even hearing you talk about it. And I think a lot of people, a lot of attorneys relate to the notion of um, sometimes a a certain case that they're they're working a certain case and it takes more hours this week and they're never going to get that time back. And their, their family is going to feel shortchanged in, in, in that one week. And then the next week they'll, they'll have, have more time to get to the family, but maybe less time to other clients. But I think you captured that um, uh, elegantly when, as you described, perfect imbalance. <laughs> now, uh, a fascinating detail about your world is your husband works in the law firm with you. Tell me about that. How does that work? How does that look? Uh, w- w- what is that like? Yeah, um, it's interesting. And it, it's a dynamic, I have to admit, I never considered until we were basically in the middle of it. And I needed help. And I was saying, hey, you've got to help me with this case and realized wow, we have a law firm together now. (laughs) (laughs) The dynamic is a little bit different from most other uh, husband and wife lawyer teams that you see, because I've been practicing actually for 16 years. I love that you made me a little bit younger though. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I've been practicing for 16 years. For my husband, the law is a second career. He did special operations in the Marines. And then he went and did, um, he did PR work for the Navy SEALs. And he is retiring this year um, with his full retirement and pension from the Navy. Mm-hmm. As he was getting ready to retire, he was realizing that, you know, my work, my work life is not over. What am I going to do? He'd always had a passion for the law. Again, he saw my passion and, mm-hmm. and how much I love doing what I'm doing. And so he went to law school at night for four years. He just got licensed to practice um, at the end of last year. Wow. And so we are in a, a husband and wife mentor mentee, <laughs> no business. Well, he's not a business owner, but um, you know, he definitely thinks about the business and helps me to make strategic decisions. So it's it's a lot of different relationships that we're juggling at the same time. <laughs> I think if we looked up a power couple in the dictionary, we'd see a picture of both of you, you know, doing your thing, the law firm owner with his, all of his uh, military experience, special ops. Um, I I love here. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen moving forward as y'all tag team and as y'all bring your, you know, you synergize each other and synergize the business. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, I'll have to have you on in six, six months, you know, or, or, or uh, down the line to, to you just give me an update on how the, the husband-wife tandem is doing with your law firm. <laughs> that would be great. I, I'm excited to see what it grows into. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody was listening to the, I know, um, to the to this episode, and they, and they and they were really just they caught some of your fire and they caught your passion. They said, "Oh, I want to do something to help to help BB." Um, wh- wh- what can the uh, a listener do who wants to help you do to support you to help you? What's something they could do? 
Yeah. So everybody knows somebody who knows somebody who ultimately gets injured and needs a lawyer. So, I mean, the, the number one thing I would ask is that you just keep my name in mind. Um, mm-hmm. it, it may not be today. It may not be five years from now. It may be 10 years from now. But um, unfortunately, in the world we live in, we tend to run into a situation where hopefully it's not someone really close that we love and care for, but somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And so when that happens, just keep my name in mind. Mm, okay. Keep the name in mind. I like it. Now, in, r- r- remind everybody, is, is there one location of, of your practice? Is there one state? Are you, are you bigger than there? Tell, tell me more about your, the location of your personal injury practice. Yeah. So my practice is headquartered in San Diego, California. We have cases all up and down California uh, pretty frequently. I practice in other courts. Um, And then I also have a nationwide side of my practice. I've actually teamed up with five other women around the country who are my heroes, my sheroes. Um, Mm. These are the five women who I always looked at and thought, wow, if, if any woman lawyer could admire someone, it would be these five women wow. and they've been gracious enough to bring me along with them. Mm-hmm. So between the six of us, um, we take the very high value cases, eight figure, nine figure cases uh, nationwide. Um, we're licensed to practice in over 10 states just within the six of us, but mm-hmm. in other cases, we'll bring in local counsel. So there's really two areas. I have my firm, Fell Law, primarily San Diego, but I take cases up and down the coast of California. Um, and then nationwide, that firm is called Athea Trial Lawyers. We handle eight and nine figure cases. Mm, yes. Thank you for that information. It's super helpful. Um, podcast listeners, let's do our part to remember the name BB Fail Fail and do our part to continue to do anything we can to show gratitude for her joining the show. Um, the next question I have for you, BB, is, and, and again, little little tweak of a question based on the last one, but if someone was listening that could connect you with your perfect referral partner, who would that be? Where would they be? And what do they do? Yeah, so it would be another uh, personal injury lawyer from another state. Those are my best referral sources, um, personal injury lawyers from other states, as well as defense lawyers in California. Those are the people who, when a case comes to them in California, they're not able to handle it. And and they know enough about the law to know who's good that they will happily send their referrals my way. Mm, Okay. So we have personal injury attorneys in other states and then criminal defense attorneys in California. Criminal or civil. Criminal or civil. Yeah. Defense attorneys in California. Yep. Got it. Thank you for that. All right. So podcast listeners, if you know somebody, this is, this, is, this would be a, a perfect time for you to maybe uh, to keep BB Fell's name in mind to potentially make that connection to just to serve her and thank her for spending some time with us on the show today. Last question for you, BB, is what are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? My favorite people are... Um easygoing. (laughs) And they love just spending time with other people. So my favorite people love people and real connection, not just in front of a group of people, but real one-on-one connection. Those are the people I love to connect with. Mm, 
Yes, real authentic connection. And then you mentioned that that earlier, that one-on-one component, um, person to person, human to human. Um, thank you for that. I, I love hearing that quality. It gives us something to think about podcast listeners. We, we, when, we, when we're thinking about the kind of people we want to be, to cherish those people in those moments of authentic connection. BB, thank you for joining me on the podcast. I, it was a treat having you and showcasing your journey. Thank you so much. It's been really fun spending this time with you. All right, podcast listeners, I want to remind you that this episode is sponsored by Strong Life Scholars, whose mission is empowering Latinas with law student scholarships, undergraduate scholarships, community impact guidance, professional mentorships, and professional skills training. Thank you once more for being our precious listeners for tuning in to another episode. Be sure to go over to the Apple Podcast app and give us the five-star review. Remember to subscribe and we'll connect with you on the next episode. Thank you.